This is Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, Canada's national source for the latest agronomic research, crop production, and technology trends. You've tuned in to hear conversations about relevant research, best production practices, and everything in between. This series of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager, is sponsored by Economics. To quickly make sense of today's crop nutrition research and maximize your return on investment, visit nutrient-economics.com. That's economics with a K. Welcome to this episode of Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. I'm Stephanie Crowley, and I am here with Joanna Fallings, the cereal specialist with Omafra. Joanna, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. And yourself today? I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. It's great to have you back on the podcast. I just wanted to chat with you briefly today about the cereal season in Ontario. Obviously, um, this year, just in general, we've been chatting about that. It's been a different year. Um, But uh, hopefully there's been some positives for winter wheat and spring cereals and and growers across the province. So could you recap kind of what we saw in terms of uh, winter wheat this year? And maybe we can get into some spring cereals as well, if you got some data to share too. Yeah, for sure. So uh, contrary to what we saw in the previous growing season in 2019, where we saw our biggest winter kill event, the 2020 wheat crop uh, was, was much better and overall uh, was managed you know, quite a bit better starting from planting in the fall of 2019. So uh, in the fall of 2019, you know, soybeans came off uh, in, in relatively good time. We had a pretty nice open fall. So we actually saw a lot of the winter wheat crop planted in late September and in the first week of October compared to the year prior where we saw a lot of the wheat actually go in probably about the third week of October. So right off the get-go, you know, that wheat was planted earlier. It was also planted into much, much better conditions compared (laughs) to the year prior. So the year prior, we were probably mudding it in a bit more, whereas this past fall, we, you know, the conditions were just absolutely perfect for for winter wheat seeding. And so going into winter, you know, we we were really set up for success, um, you know, just right out of the gate. So you know, for the most part, things were looking well. We had well over a million acres of winter wheat. So despite the the challenges the year before, you know, the growers still see the value of winter wheat as part of their rotation and as part of their system. Mm -hmm. So that was really great to see that growers stuck with it and kept through with it. Um, Then once we got into the spring, things were a little bit interesting. You know, in March, we actually had some beautiful weather. Uh, You know, the snow melted. It was, you know, we had days of, you know, approaching 20 degrees uh, in some areas. So the wheat really started to green up quite nicely and did quite well. Um, but oddly, so we, you know, early nitrogen went on, especially in those fields where we needed to promote tillering and some early growth. Um, but then interesting mother nature decided to throw a bit of a, you know, a wrench into things. And we, we actually got some snow, I believe it was around May the 11th, if I recall. Yeah, I think around Mother's Day, right? Yeah, it was around Mother's Day. Hashtag 2020. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nobody was expecting that on top of everything else we'd experienced. And so there was some, you know, concern around that, but really the winter wheat was at a stage that could withstand those cold temperatures and and a little bit of that snow. And so despite that, uh, you know, the wheat came out of that quite well. Um, there were some areas, you know, Mount Forest area where we were maybe a little bit concerned, but again, the cereals really, or the winter wheat in particular, actually fared quite well in that area. So mm. despite that, things looked quite good. 
Um, but then what we what turned into is what we're calling uh, the year of the insect. 2020 through a lot of different cur more curveballs at the wheat crop and so we had quite the insect year. So mm -hmm. we had uh, serial aphids, which can transmit barley yellow dwarf virus, which is an important uh, virus in, in cereal production. Then we saw uh, cereal leaf beetles show up quite a bit earlier. Um, and that was impacting both our winter cereals, but also our spring cereals. And then just when we thought, you know, we had had it all and we'd gotten near to the end, then true armyworm uh, showed up in Ontario. And we haven't had a, an infestation of armyworm for a number of years, um, but it came fairly quickly and it was pretty widespread across uh, southern Ontario in particular. And so we did see situations where growers had all three pests that they were trying to manage in their fields. But... Oh, um, you know, despite that, uh, they, they still fared, you know, quite well at the end of the day and disease pressure for the most part was really low as well. We didn't have a lot of, um, conducive weather. So we didn't have a lot of moisture in, in May and June and early part of July when the crop was, uh, pollinating. So we didn't see a lot of disease. So that was a big plus, uh, yeah. considering the other things that we had. Small had victories, plus. right? <laughs> was, yeah, exactly. It was some yeah. of those small victories. So that was actually, um, you know, a really good thing to have uh, this year is that low disease pressure. Um, and so, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't have you know, record-breaking yields by any means, but we did do quite well uh, with the soft red wheat on average was about 85 bushels per acre. So okay. that's pretty well in line with the, the five-year uh, average. Our hard red wheat was 84 bushels uh, per acre, which is also, you know, quite good and in line mm -hmm. with long-term averages. And then soft white wheat actually did a little bit better, uh, and they uh, had an average of about 87 bushels per acre. So... Oh, at the end of the day, um, yeah, I think growers were quite happy. And, you know, those are our averages. But, I mean, there were growers that had uh, yields in some areas of 130, 140 bushels or, or more, especially those fields that were planted early and in good conditions. Mm -hmm. And then we did have some areas that, you know, had 50, 60 bushel per acres per acre wheat and you know they just dealt with uh you know unfortunately didn't have timely moisture or they uh you know was later planted wheat in maybe a bit tougher conditions especially on those heavy clays um you know and in some of those instances we might have saw you know some some lower yields but for the most part the winter wheat crop actually turned out to be to be quite good and we had very low dawn um numbers so that's great in terms of quality and mm -hmm. end user needs um, and we had really high, really strong falling numbers, which is, again, really important quality factor yeah. for, for millers and end users. So I would say, you know, the 2020 wheat crop at the end of the day was was quite good and probably much better than what some had anticipated, given what we had all thrown at it. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Especially when you when you think back, you know, I, I think about the snow that happened in May. Um, it was pretty dry into June and July. So you think of all of those things and uh, given what growers saw in 2018 and 2019, I guess, uh, I mean, anything can happen, but, uh, you just hope for a little bit better than, than what 2019 had to bring. So, um, so that's positive for sure. That's great. Yeah. Um, 
And so looking at winter wheat planting before we move on to kind of the spring cereals a little bit, um, it's underway right now or soon to be underway in many parts of the province. I know the field behind me just got sprayed, so I think it's coming. But uh, yeah, any any reminders or any tips? I know uh, we did speak to last year around the optimum planting date for winter wheat. Mm. Um, have any of those guidelines changed? Any Any other things to keep in mind as we approach planting? Yeah, so the winter replanting date map um, was just really updated in the winter of 2019, I believe it was, or mm -hmm. yeah, 2019. So it's it, those uh, planting dates are still um, pertinent. And so I would say that for, you know, south or south central, central Ontario, eastern and northern Ontario, winter replanting is, is pretty well wrapped up now. Yeah. Um, a lot of those growers attempted to get their wheat planted in September, uh, whether that may be after canola or edible beans, or in some situations where growers uh, are able to plant or to take off corn silage, they were actually planting their wheat into corn silage just to be able to get it in earlier because right. the beans were a little bit later. Right. Um, and so I would say that early planted wheat in mid to late September, it's it's already tillering and it's, it's looking really, really good. The wheat went into really great conditions this fall so far. And so that wheat for the most part, you know, is off to the races and is looking, uh, you know, pretty good. And as we go through October, uh, we'll see more of those tillers develop and, you know, it should be well prepared going into winter. Mm -hmm. There is probably about, you know, 20% or so of soybeans still left to be harvested. Uh, and most of that I would say is probably situated in the most southern part of the province. And so for that area, you know, this is tends to be the optimum planting date for, for Essex and in the deep southern Ontario. So they're still within range. Um, but again, for the most part, most of the growers probably east and north of that are, are pretty well wrapped up with winter wheat planting. But for anyone who, you know, is still looking to plant their wheat, um, and if they are, you know, starting to get past their optimum window for, for planting, um, they, there's a couple of things that they can do to improve their, their chances of, of winter survival, um, but also to, you know, reduce any uh, yield impact from, from delayed planting. And mm -hmm. the, one of the main things is, is really putting down a seed place uh, starter fertilizer with the seed. Mm -hmm. uh, winter wheat or cereals in particular are very responsive to phosphorus uh, at planting and that phosphorus just helps that crop you know get out of the ground nice and quick and uniformly but it really helps promote that root growth and development in the fall um, and so that's going to you know help it um, you know store enough of, of what it needs to get through the winter months and and you know keeps that plant well anchored into the soil especially in heavy clay soils where we want to where we tend to see a bit more heaving in the springtime. Mm -hmm. um, so by upping their seeding rate by 200,000 seeds per week will also help uh, with that delayed planting. So we tend to lose about 1.1 bushels per day for every day we delay planting. And that's primarily due to the fact that we're not getting the same growth in the fall. We don't see the same amount of tillering that we would do from an earlier planting date. Right. So by upping our seeding rates, um, in addition to the seed place, seed place phosphorus, um, we can help compensate for that reduced tillering. So we'll just have a have more main stems as opposed to tillers. Um, so those are some of the things that growers can do now, to, especially those that are still looking to plant, to help compensate for any delay in planting um, that might occur. And I would also just remind anyone who is still harvesting their soybeans with intentions to plant wheat to make sure 
that they are leaving a nice um, even residue spread pattern. So we're you know spreading that soybean residue out nice and even. Even we're not seeing you know these piles bulk up at the end of rows or on the headlands um, because you know that can really impact emergence uh, and impact you know our overall stand count. So just ensuring that we have a nice spread pattern can also help. But I would say the main things for those that are still looking to plant is is just watch your seeding rates and and try as at all costs to get that seed placed phosphorus in if you can to help promote that early growth and development. That's great. That's really good to remember because I know, like you said, I think there's about 20% of soybean fields that are still around. I know just, yeah, just driving around. I've seen some here and, and you could see that they're just, just not quite ready yet. I am ours, the field surrounding me got, was harvested on uh, Thanksgiving weekend. So yeah. it's a little bit later, but, um, but yeah, I'm not sure what they're, what their rotation is I, I always kind of assume but uh, hard to say well, so and it's been a little bit tough I mean earlier on it was it was quite we had beautiful weather actually mm-hmm. really until about two to three weeks ago it was it was a nice open fall yeah. um, but unfortunately some of the beans just weren't quite ready yet so we did have to wait and now the challenge is we've had these you know rains every couple days so it's mm-hmm. just enough when you think you're just about ready to get to go harvest it rains again yeah and so that's delayed things a little bit um, and I don't, I mean, there was a big front that went through for, through a good chunk of the province yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think we're kind of be going to be off for a couple of days, but hopefully, uh, the forecast, you know, works with us and we can get the rest of those soybeans off and anyone who's planning to get the wheat planted in the next couple of days can do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I want to turn to spring cereals a little bit and I wondered if you could touch on those and um, what some of the conditions we saw this year in spring cereal crops across the province. Yeah. So for spring cereals, um, again, because we had that open window earlier on in the spring, we actually saw a, quite a few growers frost seed uh, where they could. Um, I actually heard of a grower in Lambton who frost seeded his oats in in February. Oh, <laughs> there was others that, uh, you know, they frost seeded uh, in March or tried to get planted in March. It wasn't necessarily frost anymore because things had warmed up, but they were able to get in, in the fields and get those spring cereals seeded early. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say that those that got planted early um, actually have done quite well because they were able to avoid the hot, dry periods that came later on during the pollination period. But for those, you know, there's many that just planted in regular time. Um, and so they did experience some stress, again, during the pollination period. And much like wheat, when the insects were finished with their winter wheat crop, they then progressed into the spring cereal. So cereal leaf beetle, armyworm, um, and aphids, we were, were now dealing with those in spring cereals. But because we were aware that they were, you know, out there, they were already in the winter wheat, mm-hmm. a lot of the growers were on top of their scouting and they were aware of what potential um, insect infestations they could expect. So I would say growers, you know, they, they were very, very good with scouting this year. Um, you know, we didn't, I would say that we didn't see a lot of unnecessary, you know, applications of, of control. Um, products because they you know really scouted they allowed those beneficials because we had a lot of beneficials out this year Mm -hmm. Um, they allowed those beneficials to do their part and I mean there's definitely those fields that required control like we had you know two of the three insects above thresholds and so in those scenarios we did have to to do something but I think, you know, the timely scouting and, and the consistent scouting, you know, uh, not everyone wants to be out there every week, but growers were out there every week scouting them and were able to stay on top of those challenges. Um, so that was, that was a good thing, 
that came out of the year, I think, yeah. <laughs> in terms of IPM for sure. Um, and then I guess also earlier on, we were seeing a little bit of, you know, interesting thing happens with the cold weather. Uh, we saw some yellowing of barley, for example, but for the most part, we didn't see huge impacts on yield. Um, and so those fared well in terms of quality. Um, I would say that uh, <clears throat> yield was impacted a bit from the hot, dry conditions for some growers. And so we, we are seeing so far, we don't have 100% of the yields reported as of yet, but uh, oats are in about 78 bushels per acre or around 92% of the long-term average. Okay. Early, showing, or early numbers are showing around 62 bushels, which is right on average. And, and spring grain is about 61, which is about 89% of average. So um, those still have to continue to come in. But I'd say for the most part, they're probably at or slightly below the long-term average. And um, I think that can be expected just given some of the challenges, and especially with the hot, dry conditions that some experience, we, we did see some impacts on that. Um, but we did also have a lot of gr uh, growers try oats for the first time this year. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, growers seeing value in cereals just beyond, beyond winter wheat, you know, they're seeing the, the opportunities that exist in spring cereals. So the spring cereals acres were, were quite strong again this year too. And, and so far quality has been, has been okay as well. That's great. If there's somebody considering planting uh, spring cereal for 2021 um, who hasn't done that before, somebody you know looking to delve into more oats or barley, um, any tips or advice uh, in terms of you know choosing a variety or choosing a crop to start with if it's new for you? Yeah. So if those crops are new for you, um, the one of the first things that I would recommend growers to do is to check out the Ontario Seal Crop Committee data. Mm -hmm. Actually, next week we'll be reviewing the 2020 data, and so um, if it's not the end of next week, uh, the you know the 23rd, the following week of the 26th, the report should be available for for growers. Okay. Um, but I would definitely check out that data first and look at how the different varieties perform in your area. Um, you know, down in southern Ontario, uh, we don't tend to grow spring cereals because it gets too hot. Uh, you know, it's just not conducive for, for growing conditions for spring cereals. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see them more in south central, eastern and northern Ontario. Um, so definitely check out the cereal crop community data and identify, you know, which varieties perform best in each area, but also, you know, factors like lodging. So lodging and oats, for example, can be a real challenge. And if lodging is already a challenge for you in your winter wheat, because perhaps you have lots of newer uh, history in, or high fertility, uh, mm -hmm. just be aware of that uh, in some of the cereals in oats in particular, and, and just, you know, make sure that you're selecting your varieties based on the characteristics or the needs of, of your farm. And I would also uh, encourage growers to get your spring cereals seeded as soon as possible. Um, I really don't think that there's a disadvantage to planting your spring cereals too early. I don't know okay. that there's such thing really. Um, you know, the earlier we can get those spring cereals planted, the better. Mm -hmm. And again, this is just really about avoiding those hot, dry conditions that can occur, uh, especially during that pollination period. So if we can get pollination happening, you know, a little sooner and avoid those hot conditions, conditions um, and you know lengthen that grain fill period we tend to do much better so um, you know you the girls probably get annoyed with me saying get your wheat planted get your wheat planted well I'll say get your spring seals planted even more because um, it's so so crucial when it comes to you know maintaining optimal yields in the province and 
I would also say just to keep an eye out for, for new data that's coming. Uh, Josh Nelski from the University of Guelph, he's a researcher there and he's looking at, you know, intensive management for spring cereals in, in eastern and northern Ontario in particular and with oats. And so there's some interesting information coming out of that. And I think there's going to be some great potential to push spring cereal yields beyond what we're typically seeing in Ontario. Um, we manage, you know, our winter wheat, we're at a point where we manage our winter wheat quite well. And I'd really like to see growers uh, push themselves and, and push their spring cereals management a bit more than what we tend to be doing now. Awesome. That's really great. I'll have to grab that um, data from you, the link, and we can share that in the show notes too. And any other resources that we have for growers, we can make sure that we make them available for anyone who's listening. That's okay, awesome. great. Yeah. yeah. Is, there, is there anything else that we didn't touch on in terms of a cereals year that you'd like to add, Joanna? <laughs> That's a good question. I think there's a lot. We just covered a lot in a short period of time. So yeah, just just a, on really, it's just a reminder to those that are still seeding their fall cereals to just you know really watch their seeding rates, ensure mm-hmm. they're using starter fertilizer. Um, keep an eye out next week for or the, in the coming weeks for the new spring cereal data. And yeah, if anyone has any questions about the cereal crop performance trial data or you know varieties that might you know they're wondering which varieties will do well on their farm, they can feel free to contact myself or anyone on the cereal crop committee. Um, but I would encourage growers to to just try some different things on their farm. So if yeah. you you know had a tried and true variety that you've used for years and years, um, check out some of the new varieties that are available. You know breeders are constantly working to push the bar uh, on the varieties that are existing we're always you know pushing higher and higher so mm-hmm. I would really encourage growers to try out some of these new varieties and and test them on their farm so you don't need to do the whole farm but you know maybe do half of a half of a field of, of a new variety to see where some of the genetics are going and and to see how they respond on farm that would be one of the things I would encourage growers to try um, maybe not if they've already got their winter wheat planted but maybe for spring cereals in 2021 is to try something new yeah, I think if anything uh, that we've learned for the last couple of years in terms of growing season and otherwise, it's never say never. Let's just see what we can accomplish, right? So we never know what uh, what's coming down the pipeline. And uh, there's all kinds of new, like you said, genetics and technologies and things that are available. Um, so that's great. Great advice. And with that, I will uh, thank you for joining us again today. And we'll be sure to link all of your contact info and all of the data that we talked about in the show notes. So if you're listening, be sure to check that out at topcropmanager.com slash podcast. Thanks, Joanna, again, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Thanks for tuning in to Inputs, the podcast by Top Crop Manager. To catch up on all of our other episodes, visit topcropmanager.com slash podcasts.